Good morning. Uh, I am very much looking forward to the day when I'm no longer looking into a camera lens, but seeing you all face to face. Uh, Please know that the elders and deacons of Trinity are working hard to have a plan in place uh, for when we are able to gather together, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, With that being said, let me encourage you to turn in your Bible with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And remember that uh, very early on in 1 Corinthians, Paul started to deal with problems that were plaguing the Corinthian church. Uh, He started back in verse 10 of chapter 1 by identifying the problem of division. Many in the Corinthian church were saying things like, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or even I follow Christ. Each taking their sides, claiming their favorite party leader, and looking down on the others. And since introducing that problem, Paul has been working to, to root out the underlying issue causing these divisions. And the underlying issue, of course, was pride. And so Paul entered uh, into a lengthy discussion of the members, uh, the the message, the members, and the ministry of the church. By worldly standards, the message of the church is foolish. By worldly standards, the members of the church are weak and foolish. And by a worldly assessment, the ministry and ministers of the church are, are weak and foolish. So What ground is there to to boast, Paul is is suggesting. Of course, there is no grounds for pride in ourselves. But then that whole discussion raised another question. How how does God get it done? How does the word of God work? How is it that weak and foolish believers are being saved by a seemingly foolish message through an unimpressive ministry? And Paul's answer is that the apostolic word of the gospel, the word of Jesus Christ and him crucified, is the revealed and inspired word of God being received by those who are called through illumination. And now in chapter 3, Paul is circling back after he dealing with some of this underlying issue of pride. He's circling back to the problem of division to deal with it more directly. And as we, as we read the text this morning in just a moment, I want you to, to notice that Paul uses three metaphors to structure his argument. Actually, we're only going to look at two today and Lord willing, the third next week. Uh, in, in verses one through nine, though, Paul uses two metaphors. The first is in verses one through four. It's a familial metaphor. He uses the metaphor of infants who are in need of a certain kind of food. Um, they're, not, they're not ready yet for solid food, so they require milk. And then in verses five through nine, the second metaphor is of, of, of a field. The church is God's field in which he deploys his servants to, to sow the seed of his word and to water the seed of his word, but it is the Lord himself who gives the growth. And then, Lord willing, next time we'll see the third metaphor of The church is God's building, or better yet, 
God's temple, the place of, uh, where, where the Spirit dwells in the midst of God's people. And so today, though, we're thinking about the first two metaphors, the familial, infants who need a certain kind of food, and the agricultural, God's field where he sends his servants to, to, uh, to sow and to water the seed of his word. Okay, with all of that said to orient us to this text, let's pray together. And then we'll read the passage. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, with your revealed and inspired word open before us now, we ask for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, so that as the the seed of your word is sown among us, uh, that it might uh, grow, that we might grow and mature to the praise and glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Let's hear what God has to say to us this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. When we take uh, our kids to the doctor for their routine checkups, they are always uh, measured and weighed. And after being measured and weighed, we're, we're told uh, where, how they compare with other children in their age brackets, what percentile they are. And if we're told that they fall you know, somewhere in the middle or upper range, we We think, okay, all is well and good. They're growing and developing and maturing, uh, as should be expected. But if we were to receive the news that they are way down on the list in the lower end of the percentile, we we would be led to think that that something isn't quite right, that they're not developing and maturing uh, the way that we would expect. Well, you might read this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as Paul giving the Corinthians a a checkup. And what he finds is concerning because he's found that the Corinthians are, if you like, in the lower percentile, down at the bottom. They're not developing, they're not maturing, they're not growing up in the Christian life the way that they should. And it's a problem. So he assesses where they are and and where they should be. And in verses 1 through 3, he gives a diagnosis. The Corinthians are spiritually immature. 
And then in verses 3 and 4, he, he addresses some of the underlying problems behind their spiritual immaturity. They are guilty of, of prideful jealousy and strife and acting in a merely human way, acting according to human standards, which we'll explain that here in just a little bit. And then in verses 5 through 9, Paul begins to lay out a treatment plan, the beginnings of a treatment plan. So that's our outline for today, verses 1 through 3, the diagnosis, verses 3 and 4, the underlying problems, and verses 5 through 9, the beginnings of Paul's treatment plan. So let's think first of all this morning about the diagnosis. You see it first of all if you look at the end of verse 1 into verse 2 where Paul says, They are infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. So Paul, there's, he's talking about when he first came to Corinth and began to disciple the Corinthians with the gospel and the word of God. And uh, he, he had to speak to them a, a certain way. But now he says, and even now you are still not ready. In other words, they were spiritually mature in the beginning, but now they're still in a place of spiritual immaturity. They still needed the, the baby food of, of simple teaching. And though he hoped that they would be ready for um, solid food, they're still in need of baby food. They're still in need of Gerber 1. Although he was hoping to see them make progress, that you know, ordinarily could be expected in the life of Christian discipleship. But the Corinthians' growth was halted. It was stunted. They weren't maturing. There was a failure to develop and to grow as they should, and it is a serious problem. And to compound the problem, well, the Corinthian Christians, they, they fancied themselves to be really spiritual people. Uh, they thought that they were spiritual giants when, in fact, they were still little infants in the faith. It's a problem Paul's going to have to address throughout this letter. While the Corinthians think that they are deeply spiritual, mature people, Paul is going to have to open their eyes to their true spiritual condition. And so look at how he addresses them in verse 1. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Then in verse 3, you are still of the flesh. In other words, when he first came to them and began to teach them and disciple them, they were not making the progress that he hoped for, and so he could only speak to them as babies and not as maturing disciples. They were still of the flesh, still immature, and that was still the case now as Paul is writing this letter. Now, to be sure, they were Christians. They had been converted. They were in Christ Jesus. God the Holy Spirit has worked in their lives through the ministry of the word, and they are new creatures in Christ Jesus in union with him. But they still have a long, long way to go in their development, in their growing up in Jesus Christ. Because their thinking, their behavior, frankly their worldliness is such that he, he could not address them as spiritual maturing disciples. 
They were still living far too much for the world and like the world. The patterns of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the priorities of the flesh still marked their lives. It was a serious problem and a dreadful diagnosis. And I think one of the things that God wants us to do as we come to this passage this morning is to have a kind of spiritual checkup. How are you and I doing? Are we growing in the Christian life? Are we maturing? Are we developing as we should? Or is there some underlying problem in our lives that has halted our growth, that has stunted our growth as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we maturing and growing as we should? If you were examined as to your spiritual condition, would you be found to be someone who is, who is thriving and growing as a follower of Christ? Or are you someone who is in fact fleshly and infantile and immature? You see, dear friends, a stunted Christian is really a sad, sad thing. Because we're meant to grow as Christians. We're meant to mature and become more and more close followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. For sure, sometimes that progress is slow. It takes time. It's a lifelong journey. But we're, we're meant to make progress. We're given the resources to make progress. And so that's what makes this diagnosis so challenging. They were not where they should be. But how about us? That's the diagnosis. The Corinthians were spiritually immature. But then secondly, Paul moves on to deal with some of the underlying problems in verses 3 and 4. Here are the reasons for their failure to grow up. Here is what had halted their maturity as Christian disciples. Verses 3 and 4. Paul says, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? You see, the problem hindering their growth was prideful jealousy and strife. Jealousy and strife was hindering them from making progress and maturing. They were too busy uh, fighting about which group was best, whose leader was the best, whose teaching was the best. They were <coughs> claiming their, their parties and squabbling over one another, holding grudges and demeaning one another. And Paul says in verse 3 that all of this is to behave in a human way. Literally, he says, it is to act according to. To man, it is to act entirely as though Christ were not Lord and his spirit had not made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. It would be to live according, it would be to continue to live according to worldly standards, as if we were a rule unto ourselves, to live under the management of sin and self instead of under the management of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So if you think about what Paul is saying here, I think you'll see that he's working with a core principle. It's right at the heart of, 
living the Christian life. It's really a key to growing and maturing in the Christian life. And the the key is this, that as Christians in union with Jesus Christ, saved by the grace of God, we live under new management. We are not a rule unto ourselves. We are not to to live as though our thinking, our feelings, our desires are the final rule of truth. We've, We've come to live instead under the new management of the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing that we are not our own, that we have been bought with a price and that we belong to the Lord Jesus into into who uh, into union which the holy spirit has brought us into and that means we have no right no right to live as a rule unto ourselves no right to live in a merely human way but you know when pride reigns when jealousy and strife govern our relationships it, it is so easy isn't it to do what the corinthian christians were guilty of we, we become combative, we demean others, we, we ridicule anyone who disagrees with us, we lionize those leaders that agree with our opinions, and we demonize anyone who dares disagree with us. We denigrate and bring down anyone who stands in our way, and we might do it all in the name of truth and orthodoxy. And the result is, instead of the church being a place of peace and harmony, instead it's marked by division and discord. But a church like that, I think Paul would say to them, do do you not see yourselves? Do you you not see that you are acting and living in a merely human way? You are continuing to live under the old management of sin and self instead of the new management under which you have been brought by God, the Holy Spirit, the saving lordship of Jesus Christ. You're acting as if you belong to you, as if you were in charge with the right to think and say and do as you please, but that simply isn't the case. It's all wrong because you're in Christ now and you're under his management. You are his and you are not your own. He has purchased you with his own blood. He has borne your sin and guilt and condemnation upon the cross and reconciled you to God. You've been brought into the family of God. You bear the family name. And because you are his, you are to live now unto him. And so while you continue to let yourself sit upon the throne, while you let pride rule, well, Paul is saying, no, no wonder you make no progress. This is what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. No wonder your Christian life is so stunted and immature. No wonder you fail to make progress. This prideful jealousy and strife has stopped your growth. You're acting like babies in Christ when by now you should have grown up. That's the gentle rebuke that Paul is giving to the Corinthians here. And so the diagnosis is spiritual immaturity. And the underlying causes are prideful jealousy and strife and living in a merely human way. Living as though 
we were under the old management of sin and self rather than under the new management, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then third, in verses 5 through 9, we have the beginnings of Paul's treatment plan. And notice the metaphor changes. In verses 1 through 4, it's the familial metaphor of an infant in need of milk rather than solid food. And now in verses 5 through 9, it's, it's agricultural. It's, it's a field. It's servants working in a field, sowing and watering. Now the field is, is the church, the people of God. So let's take a look at what Paul has to say here. <coughs> look at verse 5. <clears throat> what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Now Paul wants to help us understand how life begins for the Christian and how growth continues in the Christian life. And in order to help us understand that, Paul begins by debunking one of the myths that the Corinthians had embraced regarding their leaders. See, these different groups exalted their favorite leaders or preachers. And so Paul asks the question, what is Apollos? What is Paul? And the answer, servants. They are only servants. They're field workers. They're, they're farm hands. Now, that's not to denigrate uh, their positive role that they have. Just as we need farmers for our physical well-being, so we need the Lord's servants for our spiritual well-being. But Paul presses the point. Since they are, are only servants, they are not the ones to whom you owe your salvation. They are not the ones that you should be looking to for growth in the Christian life. They didn't convert you. They don't cause you to grow. They are just servants, instruments in the Lord's hands. Verse 5, through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So they're instruments in the hands of of the Lord. It is the Lord who assigned to each, some to Apollos, some to Paul, these people and those people, and it's he who made use of Apollos and Paul in different ways to bring these people to Jesus and to help them grow in him. And so that is where the, our attention needs, needs to rest, not in men, but in the Lord and not on the preacher, but on Christ, whose servants these men are. I think if we had a, a, a extra time, it'd be worth doing a whole other message on how what Paul is saying here, I think, exposes the immaturity of the celebrity culture in which we live. And I'm not talking about the celebrity culture out there in the world. I'm talking about the celebrity culture that is thriving in the church of Jesus Christ today. But Paul goes on and says in verses 6 through 7, I planted, Apollos watered, right? Paul came to Corinth and was the servant of the Lord in planting the church. Paulus came after him, ministering the word, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth, right? So it's not Paul or Apollos that we ought to be focused on. They, they neither 
caused your Christian life to begin, nor can they make it grow, Paul is saying to the Corinthians. To be sure, as, as servants, they, they planted and they watered the seed of the word as they preached and taught and pastored. They played an important role, um, but a role appointed by the owner of the field. And so a question we ought to ask ourselves is, okay, in the Christian life, applying this to ourselves, where does growth come from? Where should we look for growth in the Christian life? To whom should we look for growth in the Christian life? If I examine myself and I find that I've, I've uh, stagnated, I'm stunted in my growth as a Christian, I'm immature and I need to continue to grow, where do I look? Paul tells you in verse 6, God gave the growth. So as we think about what this all means for us, we should ask the question, where do we look for growth in the Christian life? Examine myself and find myself to be spiritually immature in need of, of maturity and growth. To whom should we look? Well, Paul tells you in verse 6, God gave the growth in the past. In verse 7, God gives the growth in the present. It's God from beginning to end. So don't look to men for the growth that only God can give you. They're only workers. They're only servants in his field. Sowing and watering his word. It's the Lord who gives life and growth. But let's be honest with ourselves, it is so easy, isn't it, to look to people for growth instead of looking to God. We, we can so easy, easily latch on to our favorite teacher or preacher thinking they've got the message, the particular message that I need. Um, they, they just have a way of putting things that uh, I'm able to understand. Uh, and so we cling to those people. And, and we think they're the key for our growth in our Christian lives. But the truth is, Paul says the servants of the Lord are all one. Paul says he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. That's Paul saying we're all on the same team. Working together in God's field as his fellow workers, but it is only the Lord who gives the growth. I think we need to let that sink in. That reality needs to register in our minds. And the implications of that truth, we need to come to terms with that it is the Lord who gives the growth. Numerically, spiritually, corporately in our life together and individually in our lives one by one. No pastor, no plan, no program. Now that's not to say we don't need pastors or plans or programs. That's not the point. The point is that growth is God's business and it only comes from him working through his appointed means. You know, just this week I I saw on, on my Facebook feed an ad come up, and it was a church growth ad. I guess they have me pegged as somebody who would be interested in these sorts of things. But the headline of the ad said something like, How to Grow Your Church. And I had just finished reflecting on this passage. So 
immediately two problems with that ad came to my mind. I wonder if you see them. The first is, well, Jared, it's not your church. It's Christ's church. It's God's field. And we ever need to be thinking of the church in that way. It is not merely a human institution. It is the creation of God and it belongs to him. But the second problem with that, that, that headline was, I don't, I don't grow the church. God does. Uh, some, some plant, some water, but it is the Lord who gives the growth. But if we forget that, you see, here's, here's what tends to happen. We start to look to people and to strategies Instead of the Lord for our growth, we begin to look to man for what we need instead of God who can give us what we need. And when our eyes have been taken off of the Lord and placed on man, you know what happens. Well, strife and jealousy can creep in, the divisions form, people begin to take their sides. And Paul is saying, don't you see that this is all acting according to human standards. This is to act in a merely human way. It's to leave God out of the picture. It's to um, forget God, forget God's gospel, to forget his word, and to think in a merely human way. And when that happens, growth is stunted, and the church fails to thrive as it should and so I wonder, again, this question, how are you doing? How am I doing? And how are we doing together as a church? After an examination, uh, would Paul say that you are a growing Christian or a stunted believer who needs to mature? Are you a baby Christian who, who ought to have grown up by now? Is, is pride or some other underlying problem halting your growth in the Christian life because you refuse to address it. You refuse to deal with it. I wonder if you're looking to mere man for what only God in Christ by his Holy Spirit can give to you. And perhaps if, if there is strife and jealousy among us, then of course this passage comes to us with, with a call to repentance a call by all means to, to use the means that God has given to us. God gives his servants for our good. But a call no longer to put your trust and your hope and your confidence for life and growth in the Christian life in them, but to come back to the Lord who, who alone gives the increase. We we need to come back to Jesus, who is the source of our life and our growth in the Christian life. We need to come back to Jesus, who is the source of everything that we need to be Christians and to live the Christian life. And dear friend, if you are a Christian, then by the grace of God, you have come to live. You've come to experience new life and and that entails living under new management. You're no longer under the old management of sin and self. Jesus is the Lord of your life. And so Paul is calling us to, to not live as though that were not true. If, if we have, Paul is saying it, it's time to turn around. It's time to repent. It's time to recognize the truth, to live in light of reality. 
You can no longer live as if you belonged to yourself. Because to do that would be to live a lie. You belong to your Savior. But if you have been living in a merely human way, living as if you are under the old management of sin and self, your spiritual immaturity is a symptom of of your refusal to live under the lordship and standards of your Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the pride of your heart that is keeping you from growing up as a believer. And so it's time to say, by the grace of God, I do not belong to that order any longer. I am under new management. I think if we all did that, I think we would first of all find ourselves enjoying a profound unity. And we'd see ourselves beginning to grow. And so may the Lord help us to always be a people who, who, look, who live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and who look to the Lord alone for life and for growth. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we are thankful that growth in the Christian life comes from you alone. Oh, please forgive us for the times in which we look to other things for the help that we need. Would you fix our eyes upon Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the source of all that we need to live the Christian life. And as we look to him and him alone, would you help us to grow and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.